You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you are encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. Today I'm going to be talking about the cure for anxiety. I had come across this. You know how, I mean, in the original Bible, the original manuscripts, there wasn't chapters and verses and all that. So in my Bible, there was, they broken up into paragraphs and things, and it said the cure for anxiety. And I was like, wow, the Bible actually says that there's a cure for anxiety. And I grew up, I had a, a single parent home, had a mom, two brothers, and part, partly maybe because of our Italian heritage, my family are worriers, natural worriers. Is anyone a natural worrier or just tends to worry? So it just is something that if you lean that way, my uncle is, uh, her brother is very much a worrier, worries about everything. So I want to tell you, you know, uh, last week I mentioned we had just came back from Iceland, beautiful country. It exceeded every expectation that we could have had for it. But on the plane ride home, as we were approaching Edinburgh, we had very thick fog that morning. And so I've flown enough to know that when the pilot is beginning to make the preparations for landing and the wings change their shape and you could feel the plane slowing down, but we couldn't see anything out of the window. So I couldn't tell if we were at 36,000 feet, 100 feet, couldn't tell anything. And then could feel that he started to speed up and you could feel the plane turning. And it was that sinking feeling that something's just not right. And I just started to panic. And in that moment, we're talking about anxiety, and I realized I had, a, I had a choice. In life, we think we have limited choices, but we actually have more choices we know. And I had a choice, and I was sitting there, and everything within me wanted to worry and panic. But from seat 27A, very close to the tail, there wasn't much that I could do. And so my natural tendency would have been to really panic, maybe start praying and this and that. And then I had the choice. And I said, you could choose to trust the pilot, trust his training, trust that the air traffic controller is is seeing the things, trust that his instruments are all working properly. You know what happened? Made the choice to do that. And I sat back in my seat. And before we knew it, we could see that we're about 100 feet from the ground. And then in seconds, we landed. And it didn't ruin my day. We were able to get our things and go about our day where everything within me, my natural tendency would have been probably starting to develop an ulcer of just the panic of what was going on. We have the ability to choose if we are going to worry and give in to anxiety or not, or we can choose to trust God. See, I didn't know the pilot, and I don't know if he was new or he's been at it for 30 years. But I had to trust him like I had to that surgeon when my brother was going in for emergency open heart surgery. I had to trust the surgeon that I don't know with his life in his hands. But see, we know God. Do we trust in God? We have the choice to make. And we think we don't. See, the enemy would like us to believe we don't have a choice. We have a choice whether or not we can trust in God. He says to cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. All your cares, even the small little things that seem insignificant. So Jesus has some things to say to us about the cure for anxiety. 
you have your Bibles, your phone, your tablets, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. It's going to just be mostly uh, our text out of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at starting in verse 25. I'm going to read the majority of the scriptures today. are going to be out of the Amplified because I just want us to be able to, to dig in a little bit deeper. Jesus is speaking and he says, for this reason I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, so we need to listen to what he says. He says, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious and worried what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life greater in quality than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing? He's telling us, stop worrying. Stop being anxious. Stop it. Anxiety is an emotion that is characterized by inner turmoil and includes feelings of dread over anticipated events, whether real or imagined. And it's just this dread that comes over you, or it just is something that's on the inside or sometimes in your mind. It's often accompanied by nervous behavior, such as pacing back and forth. If you know people that are worriers, they're just pacing back and forth. Some people may have a, a mark in their carpet that's worn because they just pace back and forth. Mental stress and going over and over something in your mind. You're worried, troubled, feel of men, full of mental distress or uneasiness. Uneasy or apprehensive about uncertain events or matters because of fear of danger or misfortune. You're worried to feel uneasy or concerned about something, to be troubled. And in the Greek, it's, it's, the word is merinoma, to be anxious, to be troubled with cares, to care for and look out for a thing or seek to promote one's interests. Do you think that that is the way that God would want us to live? Would we want that for our children if we have children? Would we want them just perpetually wringing their hands and pacing and concerned about everything? Especially if it's things that you as the parent are supposed to provide or take care of. Would you want your children worrying every day about what they're going to eat or what they will wear? And I know our daughter growing up, we would just go to the store. She would open the fridge or the cupboard. Dad, I'm starving. We don't have anything to eat in this house. Not unless you want to cook it. That's how we could think. Our kids sometimes can be picky and they could say that we don't have anything to eat. But I'm talking about them being worried to the point of illness. If they were worrying about what they'll eat and what, they're wear, what they'll wear, wringing their hands in worry. Now I know sometimes our children and teenagers need fashionable clothes. It's not enough to just have clothes. It's got to say this name or, you know, that kind of stuff. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about imagine if your child was worried about what they were going to wear if they had any clothes. Charles Spurgeon says this, you cannot say that Jesus Christ ever troubled his head about what he should eat or what he should drink. His meat and his drink consisted in doing his father's will. Jesus went about, we know that he didn't work a job, but he lived and went each day knowing that God would provide for him. He wasn't concerned with that. That wasn't anything that occupied his time. The worry that Jesus is speaking of puts a man 
on par with an animal that is only concerned with physical needs. He says life is much more than that and we have eternal matters to pursue. Friends, we're made in his image and bear his name. If we're his child, he's our father and we bear his name. And Jesus continues on, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father keeps feeding them. He doesn't stop there and he continues. Are you not worth much more than they? Jesus is practical and he's the master storyteller and he gives them something practical, something that they all could physically observe. He says, look at the birds. There probably was birds that were flying as he was speaking. They could observe birds flying around. They could see them and acknowledge that God provides for the birds and that he takes care of them. We have some pigeons that come around. They are well taken care of. In fact, if uh, it ever gets to that point in the future where things are bad, they, that's going to be a hearty meal. I mean, they're to the size of some turkeys, I think. Some of these pigeons are well taken care of. The conclusion that Jesus brings is that we should expect God to take care of us. He's saying you're worth much more than birds. If he's taking care of the birds, would he not also take care of you? He says birds don't plant crops, nor do they build or store in barns. They trust God to provide their needs every day. In fact, we see them in our back garden every day. They're looking for worms and, and what, what other stuff there are. We should trust God, who is our provider. One of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He will take care of our every need. Know that. Sometimes, like, I don't want there to be where it's good words. I want us to catch it and grab it. He will take care of our every need. And note that birds do work hard each day. Birds don't just sit like a little baby bird in the nest, waiting for mama bird and papa bird to bring them some worms. Birds are out there doing it. We should be at the Father's business. Birds don't fret or worry, yet they have God's abundance in ways that we can't duplicate. They're not spending time worrying about that stuff. In fact, if you go to the beach with your chips, some seagulls will let you know that they're there and they'll be glad to take them off your hands. I was watching a video and this uh, lady was filming herself trying this piece of fish. And so she takes it and she has it to just take a bite and this seagull just comes and snatches it right before she could even put it in her mouth. That bird said, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful meal. <laughs> that bird didn't have to go to the chippy and place an order. It had it right there, deep fried and ready to go. Continuing verse 27, and Jesus is speaking still and he says, and who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one unit of measure or cubit to his stature or to the span of his life. Who can do that by worrying? David Guzik says this, the worry of many people that have over the material things of life is rooted in a low understanding of their value before God. They don't comprehend how much he loves and cares for them. Worry is something that can be because we don't understand how much God loves and cares for us. We provide for our children because we love them. He provides for us every day. Worry accomplishes nothing 
We could add nothing to our lives by worrying. Instead of actually thinking we're adding to our life, we actually reduce our life expectancy through worry. Stress is one of the main reasons for disease and poor health. Worry, see, some of us in the Christian family, we dignify it by other names. We wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a worrier and that I'm anxious. We have words for it. Concern. It's a burden. It's a burden that I bear. A cross that I bear. So we dignify it. We call it something else and sound a little more spiritual. But the results are all the same. Instead of helping us live longer, anxiety only makes life shorter. And I've said this before in a previous message, that the high 80% of things that we worry about or are concerned about never happen. We've spent so much mental energy and so much time worrying about outcomes that never, ever happen. In translating the word worry, it literally means to be drawn in different directions where it literally pulls us apart. When we're worried, we're not focused. We're not on, on the one. We're, we're being pulled apart in different directions. It says in the word about the uh, double-minded man being unstable in all his ways. We need to trust in the Lord. And Jesus and continuing on. And why should you be anxious about clothes? And I know there are people, fashionistas, that are worried about clothes. Why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field. Again, an observable uh, thing that he points out that people could look and see. Consider the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his magnificence, his excellence, dignity, and grace was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and green and tomorrow is tossed into the furnace, will he not much more surely clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Again, he's giving them just like you can observe the birds. He's pointing them out right now. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at that. They're not worried. Some of the most beautiful flowers are out in the field. They're seemingly just there for us to enjoy their beauty. Alive today and you go back next week and they're just all shriveled up. Some flowers just bloom through the night and that's them, that's them gone. God daily feeds the birds, he says, and he clothes the lilies. Will he not feed and clothe us? It's our little faith that hinders him from working as he would. How much of our day or our mental Time is spent worrying or being anxious. Again, quoting Spurgeon, he says, little faith is not little fault, for it greatly wrongs the Lord and sadly grieves the fretful mind to think that the Lord who clothes the lilies will leave his own children naked is shameful. Oh, little faith, learn better manners. See, I really think when we're worrying and fretting, I, it's like an insult to God. Like imagine that as, as moms and dads, if our children just, you know, spurned everything. We bought them some clothes or whatever. And then, ah, that's, you know, I don't like that. And they're just worried. We would be like, man, that grieves my heart. How much so can it grieve the heart of God that we're not trusting him? 
He provides everything that we need. In fact, when he says it's not just I'll meet your needs, he always talks about meeting and exceeding our needs. You know, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's how he talks. Continuing on, verse 31, he says again, therefore do not worry or be anxious, saying, what are we going to have to eat? Or what are we going to have to drink? Or what are we going to have to wear? For the Gentiles, the heathen, wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows well that you need them all. Jesus points out that the worldly, those who do not know God, are concerned over such matters. This should not be for God's children. Again, we bear his name. We are in his family. In the life of a believer, our concerns should not be food, drink, or clothing. He states as fact that God, our Heavenly Father, knows that we need these things. Just like an earthly father, you don't need to be told that your child needs food or drink or clothes. If you're a good dad, you would do whatever you needed to do to ensure that your family is provided for. God, our good heavenly father, does the same for us. So how much time do we spend worrying about these? This also makes me think I'm just going to pause for a moment. As Rachel was taking us through the book of Revelation, there may come that future time where you might not be able to buy or sell without the mark. And we can't be falling in that camp of at that point. Well, what will we eat? What will we drink? We can't buy or sell anything. We need to also learn the lesson now. So in those kind of times, we can be not worried or concerned about that. We need to say that he who feeds the birds and clothes the lilies will also provide for us. Friends, I want you to have that in your mind to know that he will provide everything that you need. And here's the key, verse 33. So Jesus is summing all that up. He's saying all that to say, but seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. Friends, amen. See, we, if we're spending all of our time and our energy just worrying about what we're going to eat and drink and, and clothe ourselves, and we're spending our energies and all our monies on those things, he's saying, no, no, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, doing the right thing at all times, not just when it's convenient or it, it seems like something that the, the mob and crowd is doing, always doing what is right. When we put God's will and God's righteousness first in our lives, he says he will take care of everything else. I love that. In everything we do, seek first the kingdom of God. In everything. This must be the standard of our life when we order our priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then our priorities go into different line. For example, we rarely have to choose between honoring God and loving our spouse or being a good employee. We honor God and seek first the kingdom of God by being good husbands or wives and good employees. We should strive in, and have excellence in all that we do and it honors and reflects God. We honor God by living and striving for excellence. The daily choice to seek first the kingdom of God is the foundational choice Everyone makes when they first accept Christ. 
Yet every day after that, our life as a follower of Christ will either reinforce that decision or deny it. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. It's not enough to just try, I'll just, I'll try. We need to decide daily, seeking the kingdom of God first. And ending this, Jesus says in verse 34, so do not worry. Remember when he says something a couple of times, he is really driving it home. He says again, do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. Worrying about tomorrow doesn't help today or tomorrow. In fact, when you worry, especially if you're worried about the future, it robs us of our effectiveness today. It's almost like it's draining tomorrow's energy today. It's robbing you of being effective. And it actually makes you even less effective tomorrow. They steal our energy and have us look to the future with dread. See, God doesn't want us looking to the future with dread. Oh, I just... I. I saw a meme and it said, I'm already tired tomorrow. You know what I'm talking about? It's just robbing us of our energy. And we're not even appreciating today. We're already dreading tomorrow and it's not even come. That's not how God would have us to live. Jesus says, take each day as it comes. Now it's right. I'm not saying it's don't do this. It's right and wise to plan and save for the future. In fact, you should have a, a five, ten year plan. You should have plans and goals and and dreams, but it's a sin to worry about it and allow to rob today of its blessings. Did you ever hear that? The little kid was saying that that's why it's called the present. It's a gift. Today's a gift. That's why it's called the present. I don't know if you've ever heard that. But we can allow worry and anxiety to rob us of today. And don't allow your future to be robbed. Jesus says, just worry. If you have to worry at all, just worry about the things that today, each day will have enough trouble of its own. Most of our worry is over things that we have absolutely no control over anyway and may never happen. So we need to just, like I said, have that choice, make that choice. I'm not going to worry about that. It'd be like worrying about if it's going to rain tomorrow. Can't help that if it's going to rain tomorrow. Jesus reminds us of the importance of living for today in the present day. See, we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We have today. But it's easy to become too focused on either the past or the future and let this day and its trouble be ignored. God wants us to remember the past, to plan for the future, but live in the present. We should not get tangled up worrying about the things of this world. Jesus says, because life is more than those things. If Think about it. If it's, it's like a, a, a tire is just being stuck in mud and we're just spinning and spinning and spinning our wheels and we're not going anywhere because we're just worried about all these different things. I don't know who said this, but this is a quote and it says, worry is assuming responsibility God never intended you to have. And he'll let us. God will let you take your worry and your anxiety and he'll let you wring your hands. He'll let you sweat it out to the midnight hour. He'll let you. Or you can say, God, I just trust you. I just trust you. I leave it in your hands. I'm going to sleep tonight. Nothing I can do. I can pray. And so Paul says this, and I'll be closing with this verse. It's one that you could commit to memory or write down, but Philippians 4, 6. And Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This verse is so important. Paul instructs us not to be anxious for nothing, but instead to cover our lives and cares in prayer. To make a humble petition while giving thanks. Thanksgiving is important. Don't overlook that part in that verse. Thanksgiving is always acknowledging and giving that thanks back to God. God, you've taken, like, it, it's like, God, you've got us through the week. I thank you for that. We need to take that time to be thankful. Jesus has already told us that our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ask. I think that's beautiful. And yet we still ask. We can confidently make our requests known to him. When we're anxious, when we're worried, when we're fretful, we are not trusting him for our provisions. That's not a small thing. So what would our lives look like if we lived this out? If we trusted in God, cast our cares upon him, how much freer would we be? Especially, again, if you're a person that's given in to worry or worries a lot or frets about many things, how much freer would we be? See, we're not supposed to live that way. We're not supposed to have a knot in our stomach at all times because of fear or worry. We can become tethered to many cares, worries, and fears like weights that we're dragging around constantly. Those of you who have ever done running and put on ankle weights, you run with those for a while depending on the, on the amount of them. And then when you take them off, it almost feels like you're flying and floating because you're not tethered down to that weight. And we have all these cares. And we may think that it's a big backpack or it's a, a hand luggage. We're carrying these weights and concerns and we can't figure out why we're so tired and weary. Could that be why? Because we're choosing to take these responsibilities that God never intended us to have? Father, as I was preparing this, I did much searching in my heart. And Lord, I, I know that at those times when I don't trust you, Lord, and I'm, I'm worried and concerned, Lord, that I'm not as effective and that it affects me in multiple ways. Lord, sometimes when we're worried and concerned, we take it out on our spouse, we take it out on our kids, we, we take it out on the dog and the cat because we just can't handle all the stuff. Father, I just ask that we would, first and foremost, just would repent and say, Father, we're sorry at the times that we didn't trust you or that we took it upon ourselves. Jesus, Lord, forgive us for not trusting you at your word and taking you at your word. You said you already know what we need before we ask to seek your kingdom first and foremost. And we don't do it so we can get those things. We do it to go after righteousness, to do what's right. And Lord, you said you give us everything else as well. Lord, I thank you for your provision. Lord, you're leading. I thank you for your mercy and your goodness because Lord, you have been incredibly good to us. So Father, today, just first and foremost, just say, Lord, if, if we have grieved your heart, if we have not trusted you, or Lord, have, have just caused pain because we've spurned your provision, or we don't think it was fast enough or good enough, Lord, forgive us. 
Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.